Good evening everybody, we are here the 19th of December, 11 days away from the new year. This is our 46th Q&A. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we believe we will still have Portus as 45 and not 46. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we welcome you to the Q&A. We got lots of questions. I don't think we'll have the time to finish all those questions. And some of them are heartbreaking stories, questions, but we trust God. He will, he will answer you. He will comfort you, give you an answer. <coughs> but before we go to the questions, once again, Pastor Vijay, lead us in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you once again for this time. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity that you've been given, Lord, 46 weeks of Q&A. Oh, Father, close to an year. Thank you, Father. You're such an awesome God. Lord, we just want to thank you, Father, for every opportunity that you give us to serve God and to minister to you and to minister to your people. And I pray this evening, O Lord, that you would anoint us afresh again. Father, all of us who are listening or tuned in and will be will be listening in the days to come. I pray, Father, that, Lord, your spirit will take these answers and make them relevant to every person who has been searching, O Lord. For your word says, O Lord, if you search me, you will find me if you search me with all of your heart. To that end, I pray that you would Bless this session and through everything that we do, let your name and your name alone be glorified. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay. Go with question number one. Question number one. Pastor, we'll divide into two parts. Uh, This is the personal questions. Mm -hmm. They are uh, uh, questions from the word and they are are heartbreaking questions. So three three types. So we'll We'll see what all we can have. Yes. So how do we know, first question says, how do we know when we are truly hearing from God, I hear you say, God will speak. God will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on him. I have no peace, Pastor. I have been misunderstood all the time. I am born out of wedlock. I feel rejected, abandoned. There is no peace in my life. I am tired of asking questions, but I will ask anyway. Just disgusted with my life. Being abused, being beaten, being rejected, no parents. How can God allow this to happen? I never asked to come into this world. Okay. I will uh, check, check. Yeah. I'll begin from the last part where how can God allow this to happen? Well, uh, if you have heard our messages, you will know that one of the things that makes man different from rest of creation is the freedom to choose that God has given us. He gives us the freedom to choose. And in that choices from Adam and Eve onwards, people have made choices and these things have happened. There's a day when this will all cease. There's a day set by God when all this unrighteousness, this abuse, all this will cease. But till then, God allows man the freedom to choose. And, you know, and therefore, if you ask, why did God allow us to happen? The question to be asked is, do you want to be a human or do you want to be an animal? It's a simple question. If you're an animal, these things don't matter. Mm-hmm. You have, you will not even react this way. Because if we talk about abuse, let us take simple case of uh, dogs. <laughs> we have plenty all around. <laughs> Think you're an ab- a dog. All you see is dog abusing dog from morning till night. Yes. Bitings, all kind of things. There's abuse. You see, all the puppies are born out of wedlock and out of incest. 
Okay. Nobody knows who the father of those puppies are. Coming back to the question, you know. So, the choice is, we feel the way we feel about what we call the abuse, the beatings, the rejection, everything. It's because we were made in God's image. So first, even the abuse you feel, not the abuse you went through, the abuse you feel is a privilege. Because animals don't feel it. Oh. Hmm. Animals don't feel it. Mm. Okay, so you need to realize, thank God I was born as a human being and not as an animal. Because animals have no salvation. Jesus did not die for any creation. Okay, He did not even die for the angels who also sinned, who also had the freedom to choose. He died only for human beings. So that's an incredible thing. That's an unbelievably incredible thing. So first you have to reorient your thinking. Reorient your thinking. Then you've been rejected. By whom? By man. But you have been accepted by whom? But the thing is that you have to... Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you to the truth. And it is the truth that set you free, not the facts. Hmm. What you have written are facts, but they are still not the truth. The truth is, yes, you were rejected. You were rejected. That's a fact. But the truth is, if you have come to Christ, you have been accepted. And you are accepted by God. And not just accepted as a victim. You have been accepted as a child. You are accepted as God's own child. That's the truth. That's the truth that sets you free. Ultimately, what you believe is what is going to happen to you. If you believe that you were rejected and that you are finished, then that's what you... If you believe you have been accepted, yes, you were rejected, that fact has to be accepted. But you now go to something higher than that. That is the truth that you have been accepted in Christ Jesus. God has accepted. God has accepted. If Like this question is from, I guess, from US. Let me ask you. Okay, let me ask you. If you are if you're invited to the White House, and let's say President Trump or somebody else very high decides, you know, I want to adopt you. You know what your reaction would be? Really? And he says, yeah, really. I want to adopt you and you, you, I want you to be my own child. It's something bigger than that has what has happened. That God has accepted you. And not only accepted you, he has adopted you. These are the things that sets you free. Okay, The first fact that you are Born a human being and abused, not born an animal and abused, itself is a huge distinction. It's a huge distinction. The very fact that you're reacting to your abuse is because you are created in the image of God, while the animals don't react. Second thing, that among the millions who have been abused, billions probably have been abused, the fact that you met Christ is a huge thing. It's a huge Amen. thing. And Christ met you, you met Christ, mm. and now you know what happens? You've been accepted in the beloved. Mm. Now after that, it's a process. You are, if you have come to Christ, you are a baby. You are a baby in Christ Jesus. You are just a baby. Now, like, you know, you have to grow. Grow how? Grow in the word. Okay? Because the word has to change your thinking. Because the way you think 
is because that's the way the world has taught you to think. Now you have to reorient, completely renew your mind to think in the way God says about you. And God says about life. That's what God told Joshua. That is the promised life. Mm. If you turn to Joshua chapter 1. Okay, Joshua chapter 1. And verse 8 onwards. No? Verse 8 onwards. Remember this is an Old Testament thing. And we have to apply it in the new covenant. How it happened. It's not, it's not coming here. It's on the side. Oh, you have to drag the screen. Have I not commanded you? Yeah. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that it is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Mm. You will not just have success, good success. Now you look at it, it is talking about what they have to do in the promised land. God rescued us from sin and from the power of Satan, and he's bringing us to the life of Christ Jesus. That's what is promised. And he says, be good courage. And what you have to receive the life of God, because when you were in Egypt, you received the thinking of Egypt, and that is the life you received. Mm-hmm. Now you are being brought into the life of Jesus Christ, you have to receive the thinking of Christ, Amen. the mind of Christ. You get that life. So you have to reorient your thinking completely. It's a process. It's con- You did not grow one day in the world. All the ideas you received in the world was over a period of years and years. All kind of thoughts and experiences and words. And that framed who you are. And you made choices accordingly. Now God put a stop to it. He rescued you. Now you have to, he's restarting your life in a completely new direction. And you have to make those choices. You have to be very bold about it. You have to be very strong about it because it's a battle. Because you are living in the old system and you have to reorient yourself completely to a new system and you have to be bold, courageous and fight it. In Second Corinthians 5.17, it begins with this. You have to accept these things in your mind and fight it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Okay, all things. It's just like that baby that is born. When the baby is that born, actually, because it's a baby, it cannot think and react. But if you could think, like imagine a baby is actually born, let us say 10 years or 15 years old is born. It would be traumatic for him because you come out of nine months of darkness Hmm. into a new world. Mm -hmm. Its comfort zone has been completely been ripped aside, (laughs) ripped aside. Mm -hmm. That nine months is very cushy, everything. And then suddenly you realize, you know what? You have to start doing things which you never did before. The baby has never drunk before. Mm. It has never breathed before. Mm. It hasn't done any of those things which he now has to do from the day he comes into this world. The umbilical cord is cut. You're not going to get your sustenance the old way. You're not going to get your oxygen the same way. You're not going to get your food the same Everything is going to be different. And you have no cushion to protect you. All that is out. Hmm. Okay, and it is something like that you need to realize when you're born again, you're born again from this physical world, you're born again into the spiritual world and everything has to change. change. Hmm. Has to change. But you are comfortable in that. Now you are asked to fight and be comfortable in this. Amen. And the child grows. And in the same way you have to grow in your salvation. And the only way you can grow in your salvation is through the word of God because as a man thinketh, so easy. Your thinking has to change. You have to reorient your thinking. Accept the word. That's why it's so important to be in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. 
The word of God is so, it's not the, the worship is so important or prayer is so important. These are important. What's most important is the word because the word should define your prayer. The word should define your praise and worship. The word is not there. Then all these things loses its meaning. Other things gets its meaning from the word of God because that's a food for your spirit. And that's the way you have to. And let me tell you, God has not rejected you. He has accepted you. He has not abused you. He is healing you. Mm. You are beaten by the world, but he has rescued you. Okay? You have no parents, but God is your father. God says that. He says, I'm a father to the orphans and a husband to the widows. He says that, and you have to believe it. You know what? I've got a father. Even if I die today, don't take your life. That is putting yourself in trouble. But if I die today, you know what? I'm home. And suddenly I realized, you know what, I got a dad. He's the biggest guy in the universe. <laughs> He's my dad. And I got angels to take care of me. I got a home of my own. I am set for eternity, not just for life. I'm set for eternity. And you have to live that out on earth. You know what? All that is over. All that I went through is over. You are you are misunderstood, misunderstood all the time. Don't worry. God understands you. Ultimately, you will realize the only one who needs to understand you is the one in power. Okay, one in power. Okay, and God understands. He understands what you're going through, and He is there with you. And uh, you have to come back to the Word, and you have to constantly meditate upon the Word, and you have to do what the Word says. And if you fail, go back to God and put it right. Don't worry. There's no condemnation if you are a child of God. Learn how to walk with God, and you have to speak the Word out, because ultimately, what you speak is what you believe. Mm. That is why speech is so important. What I'm telling you. Go through scripture and you have to speak those things out. You know what? I am not rejected. I am accepted. I am not an orphan. I am a child of the living God. Okay? I was beaten, but now I am healed. Hallelujah. You have to speak these things out. You know what? I have a family. The whole church is my family. They may not know me now, but one day when we are all together, all the saints will know me. You will, your name is Peter, right? I don't know what your name is. No, it's not. I forgot your name. Uh, maybe you didn't write your name. Or maybe you did. But whatever your name is, you know what? All the saints from Abraham onwards will know you by name. Hallelujah. I'll know you. Mm-hmm. You'll see, you'll say nobody knows me. You know what? The whole of the company of saints know you. They know you are a child and a brother to them. Or a sister to them. Who you are. Thank you. So Jesus. you need to, these are the things that sets you free. That's why Jesus said the truth will set, set you free. free. Facts will depress you. Absolutely. But that is connected with the physical. Truth is above the physical. It mm. is eternal. Absolutely. Facts are temporary. Mm. Truth is eternal. eternal. Amen. You know, we, we have an orphanage for special needs children. Okay. They were all abandoned. And one of the ones is getting ready to go. She probably will get adopted. I mean, the parents so far are coming from Switzerland to adopt her. But you know, when I got that kids, two of them, she and another boy, they were used for begging. And they were rescued off the streets. We still do not know who their parents are. And they were tortured for begging. They had holes in their legs and head and everything, scabies and sores. The boy couldn't actually relieve himself, poop himself. He had something, so he had a bag into which he's, uh, uh, he used to make his motions or his food, the waste used to go. That's how he came. You know, today he's in U.S. <laughs> he's having a blast. He's got a good family. He's having, and this child is going to to Switzerland. Now, if you look at the fact, were they abandoned? Yes. yes. Were they abused? Yes. yes. What is the truth now? The truth is now, 
God has put them in families. Amen. Okay. And in your case, are your facts true? Yes. yes. But are they eternal? No. You, these children do not, have not yet come to the point where they know God, where they're little children. But in your case, you have come to the family of God. You Amen. belong to God. Hallelujah. That is the truth. And you have to live mm. and confess and walk in that truth. That is what will set you free. Amen. If you don't believe, speak and walk in it, then the other thing becomes your reality. Poor me, I am beaten, I am abused, I am abandoned, nobody understands me, nobody... You know, that's just a fact. That's not the truth. Did that happen to you? Yes. But has it changed? Yes. God is your father. And the church is your family. And you have a company of saints above and below to whom you belong. That's the truth. And you have to walk in it. Every one of us. Now we struggle with this, the physical and the eternal, the spiritual realm and the spiritual realm. But as you walk by faith, the spiritual becomes more real than the physical. And when you have crossed that line, you will realize, I made it. And everybody struggles to cross that line. But once you cross that line, you will know, I made it. Everything is okay? Okay, when you stare at the screen, I get scared. I don't get scared, I worry. Pastor, so we'll, because in any ways we are mm. going through this uh, train of thought, Pastor, question yeah. 10 will be, I think, relevant again. 10, okay. Yeah. I got saved two months ago and I'm struggling. I'm a drug dealer, a pimp. I made $2,000. $20,000. US dollars a week. A week. It was wrong, but now I'm struggling. No money, no job, nobody to hang out. All my friends have abandoned. I'm lonely. Tempted to go back to that kind of life. Help me, Jesus. Help me to understand this life, Pastor James. Okay. Let's go to um, Hebrews 1, 8 and 9. Hebrews 1, 8 and 9. Okay. To the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. First, you need to understand, when you were born again into the kingdom of God, you were born again into a kingdom of righteousness. Okay? You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness or hated evil. One of the things I will tell you for people like you or anybody who's come from that kind of a background, you have to hate the evil you did, you have to hate the life you lived. If you want to break out. and You have to hate it. You have to hate every moment of it where you sold drugs, destroyed lives, and enjoyed that life. You have to hate it. That, you know, you have to make that resolution. You know what? Even if I die, I ain't going back to that life. I don't see anything pleasurable or good in it. That's what it means. He hated wickedness. No, NIV and all will use the term if I'm right, evil or wickedness. I hated it. Yes. You loved righteousness and hated, hated wickedness. You have to hate wickedness. You have to hate your former life. You have to hate your former life. That is the first step. You know, when you are coming out of this situation, if you turn with me to Jude chapter 1 and verse 11, we're talking about a prophet, a false prophet, okay? Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's era. Or Second Peter 2.15. Talking about a particular person called Balaam. Okay. Second Peter 2.15. 
They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, the son of Beer, who loved the wages of wickedness. The money you made was the wages of wickedness. It is not about wages of righteousness. It is the wages of wickedness. If you really want to break free, no, like I said in the first answer, you have to change the way you think. This is righteousness and there is the wages of righteousness. It is hard. In this wicked world, it is hard to have integrity, to work hard, to make a little money. It is not easy. It is hard. Especially if you have used to that other life. That's why I said you have to hate that money. You have the way, the way you got that money. You have to hate the life that money gave. You have to hate it all. You have to really say, Lord, cost me, give me that hatred for that life I lived. Because what was it? It was the wages of wickedness. The wages of wickedness. And you have to now transfer your love to righteousness. The wages of righteousness in this world is not easy. It is difficult. You have to work hard. Mm. You have to work hard. And sometimes you work hard in an unfair system. What you make may be very little. Mm. You know, uh, that Proverbs, Pastor Vijay reference, rather a little. Uh, in, okay, 16, Proverbs 16. Yeah, that's already recognized. <laughs> Right? You know, you have to like, if it's one meal or one meal, no, one meal or one meal, I live, I live a one meal. I would rather have one true friend mm. than have hundred wicked. If I'm not going to have a true friend, I would 15? rather, huh? 15, 16, sorry. Yeah, I would rather be alone. No, rather, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Very little. One meal a meal. Okay, one loaf of bread, fine, I'm good with it. <laughs> no, those of us who can eat are not eating. Because we choose, we're choosing to fast when you're eating only one meal for days together. You, your stomach will get used to it. You know, and this is, you are not fasting, but you are making a choice. You know what? I would rather go to the, what do you call that? Uh, the Salvation Army soup kitchen mm. <laughs> and have a bowl of soup than go out to the streets and do something illegal and then live off that money. I would rather wear second hand clothes, the Salvation Army, this thing, than go out and wear these leather jackets and these Nike shoes and all those things. I don't need any of those things. If God gives to me, glory to God. But if God does not give to me, that's what Paul says in Philippians, for I know how to abound. I also know how to be abased. I know what it is. What he's saying is that whatever I have, it will be the wages of righteousness. It is not going to be the wages of wickedness and you have to make those choices and then you rather say like no <coughs> no i made that statement no i would rather be a spiritual introvert and then be a worldly extrovert <laughs> i am good i'm good okay i know what it is to be in need it's a prophet saying it's an apostle saying he was a very rich man actually he lost everything when he came to christ yes. he gave it all up i know what he should have plenty Mm. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And it is in this context, he says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yes, through Christ, you, can only, you can't do this on your own. You have to ask the Holy Spirit. First, get your doctrine right and then say, Lord, I got the truth. Now, Lord, I need the strength to live it out. And you have lived it one day. Two days, three days, four days, you know what? You have now becoming into a new life. It is the practice of righteousness. righteousness. You realize you can. Mm. You can. You know, when you practice righteousness, 
you will also see God opening up doors for you. You will see, you will get a small job and you work hard at it. He'll give you a good friend and you'll be a friend. You don't need too many friends in life. Mm. <coughs> Honestly, you need acquaintances, all those places. You need only one or two good friends in life. You don't need too many. You don't need, what are you going to do with all of them? <laughs> you know, if you're serving the Lord, you don't have time for anything else. Okay, so <coughs> this is how I would, I would want to say, you know. So don't go back to your old life. Because you know what? When you, before you knew Jesus Christ, you enjoyed your old life. After knowing Jesus Christ, if you go back to the old life, you will be the most miserable man. Yes, yes, yes. Because you know what? You tasted something on this side. Yes. Earlier you did not taste. So drug money, all the women and all the fun, everything. It was okay. You did not know Christ. But once you have known Christ, you have known the way of righteousness, and you go back, you will be the most miserable man. You will neither enjoy this, nor will you enjoy this. So don't go back. Hang in there. And help to cry out to God, Lord, make a way for me, make a way for me. But I have made up my mind. I am not going back. I am make a firm, determined resolution. Because you know what? Even as God gave us the freedom to choose, you cannot choose unless you have a will. And God has given us this will to choose. Like you chose to go the other way, make a firm determination to carry on in this way. And you will see it works out. It will be a tough struggle, but God is preparing. He is disciplining you. So he doesn't. He won't make it easy. He will make it difficult. If you want it easy, God will not make it easy because he's disciplining us as a father does a son. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, another tough question. It says, uh, question number 11. I was tested positive for COVID, now tested positive for HIV. Oh. I want to kill myself, just die and to heck with this life. I believe all men are dogs. Forgive me for being rude, but that is how I feel right now. Help me to think different. Okay. It continues with the same line of thought. Okay. First, uh, being tested positive for COVID-19 is uh, not a big thing. COVID-19 is another virus. Don't get so distinct about the virus. Now you are tested positive for HIV. Okay. Like I said, you know, like I uh, it's vibrating, Sammy, the, you know, <coughs> You are a child of God. You have come to the Lord. And let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, 18, 16, 17, 18, those verses. Awesome. Hmm. Yeah. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Hallelujah. Okay. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You know, like you have to think, it's, I'm not saying you are new kids, you are young kids, you need a support group of a family of God. I pray God gives you one or two people who will mentor you, take you under their wings and help you through this process. Otherwise, keep listening. But I'm telling you, if you look at what you are going through, it is just like a moment compared to eternity. This man is said, who is this thing? It's Apostle Paul is saying, can I have that portion in Corinthians where he gives a list of... 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Yeah, 2 Corinthians. I wanted to look at that because I brought my wrong Bible. The Bible, the word of God is right, but I brought the wrong Bible. Beaten sound. Yeah, 2 Corinthians. Because it's, this is a man who is talking and because you will say, oh yeah, yeah, he can talk like that. Let me show you what he went through. Hmm? Pastor, it's Got it? The list? Yes, Pastor, it's yeah. 
okay? Okay. Yeah, so am um, I, and okay, and verse onwards, the list of what he went through. 23. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. <laughs> I am more. <laughs> I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently. Okay, and now he's going through all this for no sin of his own. Okay, he's absolutely innocent. Living at this age, you probably was the most righteous man on planet earth after Jesus Christ, but for the sake of the king. See, we all have gone through our own junk, but it was mostly because of the junk we did. Okay, we did. This man is innocent and he's preaching the gospel, trying to rescue people. And this is what he went through. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, have been flogged more severely. Okay. And, uh, those floggings were 39 times, okay, with whips which had metal or bone pieces at the edge. Your back is laid open. And he says, I've been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews, 40 lashes minus one, okay. Three times I was beaten with rods. So he kept an account, okay. He knows what he has gone through. Once I was stoned and he was left for dead. Literally left for dead, they left him because they thought he had died and he got up and he walked again. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. This is not talking about, this is before all the things recorded in Acts at the end is there. This is all in the, he hasn't given his full record. Mm. It's only a partial record when he's writing his letter to Corinthians, okay? Mm. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. You know, his mind is still focused on, okay? Who's weak and I do not feel weak? Who's led into sin? I do not inwardly. And he said he still gets tempted. But if I must boast, I will boast to the things that show my weakness. And this is the guy, he says, all this is just momentary afflictions. Because I see the weight of glory that is waiting. I'll go through this. So you have to see life that way because... All you have written, yes, in a way you are innocent, you were sold to all these things. But after that, in so many things, you became willing participants too. Okay, like the earlier person, you may have been first used to sell drugs. Then you enjoyed that life, the money, and you became a willing seller of drugs. You must have been, as a child, you may be used to pimp somebody, and then you became a willing pimp. So you have to realize, but in his case, this man, that's not his case. He's been going through all for righteousness sake. Okay, righteousness sake. And yet he sees life completely different. Unless we see life completely different. Okay, and that's what the salvation is. And why we endure all this? Because we know one day this is going to end. Either we will die one way or other or Jesus is going to come. And in twinkling of an eye, both is a twinkling of an eye. In a fraction of a second you are dead and gone. You are with God. And it's all over. Or, Jesus comes and takes. So let's go to that chapter where it actually comforts. The most comforting verses in the entire Bible for people who have gone through genuine pain. I'm not denying your pain. Your pain is real. But it is not true. If it is true, it is eternal. Mm-hmm. Anything that is true is eternal. If it is eternal, it is just a fact. 
Okay? If you're going to be sick in your body all of eternity, then you are a sick person. But the twinkling of an eye, you are no longer HIV positive, you get a new body, a glorious body, then it is a fact, it is not the truth. Mm-hmm. Revelation chapter 21 <clears throat> and verse 3 onwards. 3, 4 and 5. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. Men and women, children, men is used in a neutral way. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Look at this. All you, all everyone who went through this and found Christ, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. You know, a child falls on this, this thing or gets this thing and all and then nobody to comfort it gets up and on the way back home, you know what? He gets over it. But the minute he sees his father or mother, he will start wailing again. <laughs> there is going to be a huge hue and cry on that day. When everybody meets their father, their real father, when they meet the entire memory of their pain and suffering, they will wail. And you know what? He will personally wipe everybody's tear away. And he will hug them. Mm. Only God can do. Only God has Mm. hands which can hug a billion people at the same time. Because Mm. this is spiritual. And he will actually do it. He will actually do it. Because the word of God is true. He will comfort you. And he will, and you will, you know what? Everything is gone. In that moment, everything is gone. They will be his people. God will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old. What are we going through? The old order of things has passed away. And verse 5, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Hallelujah. That Today, we will experience it physically like now. But right now, we experience it spiritually. Though nothing may have changed outwardly, inside we receive it by faith. And that day, it will become sight. It is over. Nobody to abuse you. Nobody to misunderstand you. Nobody to call you names. Nobody to sell you. It's all over, God says. It's all over. And you enter into a new life. And all the abuse you went through, you went through in your body. Even that body is gone. You are receiving an absolutely new, glorious body. That body is gone. You will have nothing left to associate your past life with. That mind is gone. That body is gone. Everything has been made new. But he says, you can renew your mind now. Make your mind now, even when you are living in that old body. And teach your mind to tell your body, it is not true. What you tell is not true. You are just a tent. Mm. There I am getting a new You're house, a new body, a new house. So don't worry. And I will also tell you, even if you got COVID-19 and if you got HIV positive, don't, don't panic, don't worry. What you need to do is that go through the Bible, go through where God talks about his healing because he is a healer. And continue to believe it, continue to speak to your sickness, to your body and say, you know what, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I rebuke you, HIV in the name, call it by name, because there's a spirit behind, a spirit of infirmity I bind you, I command you to leave my body because my body is the temple of the living God, the body for the Lord and the Lord for the body, keep speaking it, keep speaking it you know what God doesn't have, God has a plan for you one day you will just wake up and realize it's gone. It's gone. In the meantime, take your medications, everything. But don't panic. Don't get depressed. Don't get discouraged. What is true is the spiritual realm, Hallelujah. eternal realm. 
That is what is true. This life or not is just a series of facts. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So let's go back to question number two. Two. Hallelujah. Okay. Is it possible someone who is under medication to be delivered from demonic oppression? The one who is suffering is very close to us, but they don't understand that it is demonic. Depression, fear, and behaving differently than normal in unexpected situations. They go to traditional Christian church where they don't teach deliverance from demonic oppression. Once we have taken that person to a church where two other pastors had deliverance ministry, but they couldn't do anything and the person was behaving just the normal. How can we clearly understand? Yeah, this is it. Okay. Uh, actually, that's a two two part okay, question. Yeah. We'll we'll stop here maybe. Yeah, How can okay. we clearly understand yeah, who the yeah, true servant okay. of Christ? So, well, let me tell you. I mean, there is the word of God. There is ministry and there is experience. With experience, I will tell you. <coughs> One is, this specific question is with medication. With medication, deliverance becomes very difficult. Medication. Because what has medication done is that, you see, when you are doing medication, you are do- dealing with the soul, the mind. Deliverance is a spiritual thing, mm. but once the mind is made numb, the spiritual becomes very difficult. Becomes very difficult. You cannot, you cannot. It's like, let us say, a person comes in drunk, absolutely drunk. Can you talk sense to him? No, you cannot. In the same way, it's very, I would say, almost impossible to deliver somebody is heavy on antidepressants or medication and all. Because something else has taken over them. It is not possible. It, it's not, I'm not saying it is impossible. All things are possible with God. Okay, but it's very, very difficult to deliver a person. Second thing about deliverance is, you need to realize is, with deliverance, the subject should be willing, absolutely willing. Okay, willing. If the subject is not willing, you cannot deliver a person. Hmm. Cannot deliver. I'm calling the person as a not believe. And sometimes there are many blocks to their deliverance. Many blocks. There are open doors through which they came in through. Okay. And the thing is that they may be holding on to something which they are not willing to give up. up yeah. Because when you try to cast the demon out, the demon says, I'm not going. I'm not going. And they are not letting to let go of it all because along with the demon, there is a habit. In that habit, there is a pleasure. They were not willing to let go of that pleasure. Do you want to be delivered from the spirit of alcoholism? Yes. But they don't mean it. They don't mean it. Can you be delivered? Yes. Hmm. Are you willing to kick your habit? Are you willing to give up? Do you really? No. And that's the issue. It's like the children of Israel. They wanted to get out of Egypt. But they did not want Egypt to get out of them. Yes. They only were upset with the the trauma of what they went through in Egypt, but they liked other stuff. You cannot, that's what I was telling in the beginning, you have to hate the whole life Mm. of Egypt. You cannot love, you cannot pick and choose in Egypt. You have to hate Egypt. Anyone who loves the world makes himself an enemy of God. You will not say, oh, this about the world is good, that is what, and that's why Christians struggle. Let's leave this poor boys and girls aside. They are all new, young. How much do Christians struggle? Are they delivered? No, they don't want their deliverance. Yes. They pick and choose in the world. Oh, this is good and that is good. They, they make their own choice. They, do they stand? I'll accept the word of God to be the standard to make the judgments. Will they? They will not. You know what? 
So Christians need also deliverance. Mm. But because their uh, con- the, the control of the world in their life is not so manifest like these, they think they are okay. But we are not okay. There are so many things in the world that still control our minds. Still control our minds. Even in our churches, all yes. our churches, yes. men and women and children. Why do they struggle? Because they don't realize their thinking is still controlled by the world. world. Yes. And they don't like it. And they don't like, they don't want to get rid of it. It's simply like the old story about the monkey, how they catch the monkey. They get a heavy vessel, they put a, with a small mouth, they put a banana in it, and leave it in the jungle. The monkey comes, put his hand in, grabs the, monkey, the banana, and the hunter is there. Now the fellow is trying to run with the vessel, the vessel is too heavy for him, but he won't let go of the banana. Can he be free? Yes. In a second. What does he have to do? Let go of the banana. banana. But he wants a banana. And little later, he is doing monkey tricks in a zoo. He's been taken. How did he end up in the cage? Wasn't there a way of escape? Of course, yes. Why did he end up in the zoo? Because he did not let go of the banana. Why are Christians not free? They won't let go of the banana. The devil puts a banana over there and you will take it, you taste it and you like the taste. Now you are called a foodie. A foodie. Okay? You are a junkie. We call these poor people who are on drugs and all as junkies. But half the church are junkies. They love the world. They like the world. They like the world. And you do not realize, you know, remember that example I gave you? Whether you are chained with steel chain or with a velvet rope, you are still a slave. Mm-hmm. It's still a slave. It's still a prisoner. Oh, it's nice. Did you see my chains? Yes. It's made of velvet. Are you free? No. <laughs> no. Do you look at his chains? <laughs> it's iron. Question is, he's not free. You're also not free. <laughs> look at my addiction. It's only alcohol. His is coke. Both are addicts. Both are addicts. They stay this way. Both paths leads to death. Wow. Mm. Oh, he commits fornication. I'm only into porn. Both will lead you to death. Bah. Ultimately. Ultimately, both will lead you to death. Okay, mm. That's how the devil is very smart. To some he gives steel chains, to others he gives velvet chains. But he's a smart fellow. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at life that way. Mm. You, have to, you have to think different. So if you don't want, you can't be delivered. You can't be delivered. But if you want, God is willing to deliver you. He will deliver you. And if you are under medication, then you have to wait. It's very, very difficult. Very difficult. And then you have to ask the Holy Spirit and sometimes go to a pastor or a minister who has the spirit of knowledge who will tell you exactly where the block is. What is blocking your deliverance? Why is it not going? Because there is a stronghold where you have accessed and you have given them the right to stay there. Okay, that's what Jesus is talking about, the strong man mm. and the demon saying, this is our house. You allowed it to come in. You gave them the permission and you are not letting go. You are not letting go because you like it. There is something that empowers you, your life through that demonic, that addiction that empowers you and you are not willing to let go. But once you let go, you will see deliverance is very, very easy. Very easy. Deliverance is not difficult. Deliverance can be there. I have hit my head against the wall in deliverance and seen it absolutely easy also. Absolutely easy. And it could be like two different people. In one case, the demon was there for so many years. In one case, the demon was only there for a very little time. But this fellow won't go. And this fellow is gone. 
Because the difference is the difference between the subject. This subject is willing and this subject is not willing. It's not willing. It's not willing. So that's how it works. And medication makes it very, very difficult. And then, you know, if you really, really want to, you want deliverance, I'll tell you, if you really want deliverance, you'd have to be humble. I don't care what the world says about me. I want my deliverance. Like Derek Prince used to say, deliverance is for the desperate. Desperate, yes. Mm. Desperate. The, the ruler, a rich ruler came and fell at Jesus' feet. Where did he fall? Because his child was dying. Everybody falls at my feet. But you know what? My child is dying. Hmm. There's only one who can save me. I'm going to forget about who I am and what I am and my, my all that. You know what? I'm going to fall at his feet. How desperate are you? Is the question. A lot of us, a lot of Christians cover. They don't want to lose their, you know what, what if people know that my son is demon possessed, my daughter has got this thing, so they try to give them medication. Because they don't want. They don't want. They put them on medication and try to cover it. This self-righteousness, this cloak of self-righteousness, that's why God says, your righteousness is like filthy rat. I have an anger problem. No, you are demon possessed. That's why you're keeping losing it all the time. You are demon person. You need deliverance. You don't need anger management classes. It's not going to work. You need deliverance. That is why the first sign in the kingdom of God is you shall cast Excellent. out demons. Mm-hmm. Call it by name. What will people think? How, do you want your de- deliverance or you are worried about what people will think? <laughs> That's the whole thing. Call it by name. And suddenly you realize you call it by name, you can be delivered. You can mm. be delivered. But you want a false reputation? It says walk with it. Who will aid you with your false reputation? The demons do. So they like it. Satan wants to pretend he is God. Is he God? (laughs) He is not God. But he has fooled half the world, most of the world, pretending that he is God. (laughs) That he is the real one. Including smart ones, powerful ones, all think Baphomet is God. (laughs) When a child of God binds him Baphomet, tucks his tail between his legs and he goes into the abyss and won't even come out. And they still believe he is God. False reputation. The devil has a false reputation. And all those who believe him also wants a false <laughs> reputation. And God wants you to give you a genuine reputation. And you don't want. Okay. So, it's not easy, it's difficult. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So, the second part says, how can we clearly understand who is a true servant of Jesus Christ? Sometimes I, I myself get puzzled when I see evident healing and deliverance happening. But there is no personal discipline or proper teaching of the word here. Okay, these are different ministries. Actually, what happens is deliverance ministers should not become pastors. Or pastors who do deliverance should be absolutely gung-ho about the teaching of the word of God. Mm. Okay, so I'm not saying their deliverance is false. No, I'm not saying that. Okay, there are two kinds of deliverance. I've always taught this in my church. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, now this is... Let, let's imagine this is a person. His real life is only this much. This much is demonic. Or let us say this much is real and this much is demonic control. But now when you everybody looks at it, everybody sees only that color. Mm. Meaning the demonic actually identifies you. Yes. They will say, you know what? That man is, stay away from him. Like in so many ways he may be good, but what controls you is what is defining you. So it is. There's one way I can deliver that person. You know what? Cast the demon out. It's free. 
The problem is it's also empty. It's empty. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, if you leave the house clean, and when you are delivered, you are clean and empty, seven others will come. Don't leave it empty. You know what you need to do? You need to learn to be in a Bible-believing church, a Bible-believing family, meaning spiritual family, be accountable, grow in the word, fill it with the word of God. Mm. Another way you can do it is that, I mean, if you're not severely demon-possessed, you actually don't need deliverance that way, but you have issues with demonic oppression and all. Stay in the Bible-believing church, a praying church, a believing church, a worshipping church. Get Keep getting filled with the word of God. You know what? They will start leaving. They will start leaving. Because the problem with demons is that demons will survive only in an unclean habitat. Mm. If it's clean, they will not stay. They will not stay. What you have to do is fill yourself with the word and ask God continuously to fill with the Holy Spirit. And keep surrendering to the word and the spirit. They will automatically go away. You won't even realize they will go away. Because they cannot live there. But if you try to live two lives, they will reside. They will stay in your soul, stay in your body. Though your your spirit may have the Holy Spirit, outside the other fellows live. They won't go there. This is a realm. Realm. Okay. Uh, Is is the second heaven full of demons? Yes. Yes. Isn't the third heaven full of God's presence? Yes. So how do they coexist? The same way it coexists in you. Where is God? In the third realm. What is that? Your spirit. spirit. What is in the soul? It's the demons. If you do not accept God, it's a demon. Mm-hmm. If you have a demonic ideology in, in your head, mind. it is there. Yes. So you are saved. <laughs> you are saved. So you have to get them out. The way you get them out, keep filling yourself with the word, believe it, practice it, talk it. And keep filling yourself with the spirit. They will go out. And that's what we have been trying to do in the church. Mm. When people practice it, you know what they are delivering themselves. You don't need a deliverance faster. You are delivering yourself. You are being delivered more and more and more. That's the process. But when you are demon possessed, you need deliverance. You need an intervention that it is cast out. Because you cannot even uh, deliver yourself. You are in a situation where you need to be delivered. That's a different case scenario altogether. Yes, Pastor. I have a biblical question also, Pastor. Can you help me understand these verses from the parable of the wedding banquet? Mm. But when the king came, to see the guests. See, this is uh, Matthew chapter 22. 22 verses the one. wedding, he invited all the people. They did not come. He was very upset. 11 and, and 12. Yeah. He Then he <coughs> compelled his servants to go and get others and then the wedding piece. 11 okay. and 12. Yeah. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Yes. So the question says, I believe this is the great wedding of the Je- of Jesus Christ. Yeah. How that man got into that wedding banquet? No checking at the entrance gate? How can someone slip into the wedi- wedding banquet? Or, there are many levels for our salvation? Please explain. Okay. Now, uh, you come further down. Okay, further down. You have to look at the context to understand. Don't, don't look at every parable with a microscope and immediately and say it has to be like that way. He's giving you general pictures and there is a context, okay? The king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. And verse 15. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. Hmm. You know who I was talking about? The I was talking about the Pharisees. Hmm. Okay, he, was talking, he was giving them nice object lessons. Object lessons, okay? He says, 
you're all invited in the wedding and you're trying to get into the wedding without wedding clothes. That's why he's using a parable. Let me try to explain to you. <coughs> okay. Uh, Isaiah 61 and verse 10. I greatly delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation, arrayed me in a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Everyone who was invited was provided garments by the king. Everyone who was invited was provided garments by the king. Okay? And this is in that, that verse we looked at, verse 13, if I am right. If you go back and look at that verse here. Okay. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Mm. This person, like many Christians, received the invitation. Received the invitation. Okay. They received the invitation, but they don't follow up with the invitation. Mm. A lot of people, when altar call is given, they come and receive Christ. But they don't follow up with the invitation. Okay? There is salvation, uh, imputed righteousness, and then there is practicing of righteousness, of growing in it. Okay? And Jesus is very clear about it. These things are very, very clear about it. That's what the church is for. So did you invite the, if you look at a lot of people, did you receive the invitation? Yes, when in that Billy Graham crusade or when no, Jesus calls crusade was there, I remember and I went and after that, <laughs> after that, you received the invitation, right? And after that, that's what, if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24, after that becomes, okay, 4, 22, put on, okay, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. To put on the new self, created like so. After that, there is something which we there are what we call what we say in um, the book of James. There is faith. There are works of faith. Mm. The works of faith. But the works of faith is what makes your faith authentic. Did you receive the invitation? Yes. When you receive the invitation, you are believing who God is and what he does. At that point, your faith is only the faith of the demons. They know there is only one God and they tremble. But what do the, the demons do? They don't follow up with that. Hmm. They don't obey God. They don't practice righteousness. They don't do that. Okay. So you actually accepted the invitation. But after the invitation, you didn't follow up with the invitation. Okay, you didn't follow up with the invitation. Along with the invitation, it was told, what was that? You would be given wedding garments. But in giving the wedding garments, you have to put it on. When you are putting it on, you have to put off your old stuff. That you have to do. It's a daily process. It's a continuous process. Put off, put on. Put off, put on. As the Spirit is showing. And that's what the Bible is talking about, you know. Meaning... In the, in the book of Timothy, Paul will say, you know, you have to cleanse yourself. Mm. God is the one who cleanses you. Mm. You have to cleanse you. This is personal responsibility for working out your salvation. God will work it in. You have to work it out. Mm. 
God is not going to work it out. God is not going to work it out. You have to work it out. He may help you a lot when you are a small baby. But even the baby has to drink the milk. Has to drink the milk. It cannot be forced. It has to drink the milk. So that's what the Bible is talking. You have to take personal responsibility. In this case, this man accepted the invitation. So we are not talking about the gate, how he sneaked into all, but God was telling an example. Be very careful about it. Be very careful about salvation is real and it is true and it is functional. Okay, meaning, let me give you examples about what Jesus said. He received forgiveness, but he did not extend forgiveness. What did he call that servant? Wicked servant. Was he forgiven? Was he forgiven? Was he forgiven? What did the king say when he found he had not forgiven his brother? What did he tell him? Hand him out to the tormentors. Let me tell you. Is he being being put in prison because of what he owed the king? No. 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 That is forgiven. That is forgiven. But now he is being handed over for what he did not do. If your salvation is real, that you received forgiveness, why are you not forgiving the other? And what did he call him? Wicked servant. Okay, the other question of the parable of the talent. Did you receive a minor? Yes. Yes. When the king came, did you have the minor? Yes. Yes. Did you occupy? Did you listen to what he said? What no. did he say? Occupy. Occupy. Did you occupy? No. No. You did not occupy. You did not occupy. Okay. He gave you a minor and told you something. So you received the minor. Mm. You accepted the invitation. But you did not do part two. What was part two which is connected with part one? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You received the invitation. But you did not put on the wedding clothes. And you entered into the banquet. And God said, how did you enter here? Every man will be judged for his works. Mm-hmm. Am I saved by works? No. no. But if you are saved, you will have sure, works. Sure, exactly. That's the you point. will have works. You will have works. And the true salvation is a company. If you mm-hmm. go to Revelation 19, mm-hmm. verse 7 and 8. Mm-hmm. Okay. Revelation 9. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and the Bride has made herself ready. Okay. The bride has made herself ready. So God made her ready. Bride has made herself ready. In Isaiah 61, what did we read? He gave, he robed her. But here, she had made. Both are true. Mm-hmm. Both are true. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of, of the saints. So you are making your own trousseau, whatever they call it. Your Stitching your own wedding dress with every act of obedience, it becomes an act of righteousness. He said, I did. Mm. He said, I did. You know what? A stitch at a time. We are making our wedding garment. A stitch at a time. In this case, he obeyed. In this case, he received the invitation. Okay, if you go to Acts chapter 2. Okay, simple thing. Acts chapter 2, verse, uh, 38, 39, 40. Peter replied, what should we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise of you. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Did they accept the invitation? Yes. Yes. Next thing is important. Verse 42. They followed up 
What is that? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. The four things. These four things, they devoted. You know what they had? They accepted the invitation. They're getting their garments ready. Or actually, they are learning how to stitch their garment. They're becoming the person, the new person. That is where it comes. And you know what? It's in verse 42, Christians fail. One Sunday they go to church. Once a week they go to church. They have no personal Bible study. They have no personal prayer life. They go to church like a ritual. And in the church it will be a 20 minute word. And they think they are good. You know what? They receive the invitation. But they are not working on their wedding garments at all. And on that day they think they can sneak in. They can sneak in. No, They can sneak in. There's a, there's a lady, a very famous, I forgot her name, there's a very famous lady. She was a singer, famous singer, in a multi-billionaire's uh, uh, home for some very important program he had. She was, she was called to sing. So on that day, when she was going in, it's all the who is who of the city was there in this thing. And she's in the line of the guests all coming in, all kind of jazzy cards and everything. And at the top of the stairs, there is this person, the usher, with a list. So you have to say your name. Then only you are, and you are allowed. If your name is not there in the list, you are not allowed. So now she's going up and it reaches her turn. She says, she and the husband is there. She says, this is my name. He looks in the list and says, Madam, uh, your name is not there. And she said, you must be mistaken. My name should be there because I'm the one who is singing. And he said, I'm sorry, madam, your name is not there. And then she sees, there's a line forming behind her and says, madam, please step aside. And then he calls one of the others and says, please take them by lift B, which is the lift that takes you to the garage and takes you out. And she and her husband went down and she got into the car and the husband was driving and she started crying. He said, what happened? She said, I forgot something. When the invitation had come, I forgot to send a reply saying RSVP. I received the invitation, but I did not respond to reply to it. He said, why are you weeping? She said, uh, he said, uh, it's okay. She said, no. She said, I'm not weeping about that. I am thinking about the day of the Lord. Day of the Lord. When many of them received the invitation. But they did not respond to their invitation the way you are supposed to respond. And it will be what a terrible day. I just had a feeling what it like. I was so embarrassed and I had to go down the servant elevator and come out. But I'm thinking, this is only embarrassment. What is going to be that day when you stand over there? He looks in the book and says, step aside. Your name is not here. But Lord, I received the invitation. He said, yet, but you did not respond. I personally received the invitation. He said, yes, I sent it to you. You received it. But you did not respond. So salvation is not a joke. It's a very, very serious thing. It's a very, very serious thing. That's how you look at the word of God. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Pastor, you want to take more questions? Yeah, let's look at one more. Question three, because they're all connected. Yeah, it says, please explain between sheep and sheep in Ezekiel chapter. This is Ezekiel 34, 17 to 22. Okay, and then we will stop. <coughs> Thirty-four, seventeen to 22. 
Got it? Okay, Pastor Vijay, read it. As for you, my flock, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another, and between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them, driven them away, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. So the question the person had is that, I thought you only judge between sheep and goats. <laughs> Why are you judging between sheep and sheep? Mm. You need to understand, this is a very important question. I was very tickled by this question. Turn with me to James chapter 2 verses 1 to 9 and then James chapter 5. Look at the context in which James talks about. Okay, And we have to understand how does God judge within the church. Mm. My brothers... As believers, so it is talking very clearly to the church and a community of believers. Mm. As believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, do not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into a meeting wearing a gold ring and a fine clothes. Today, let's let's say he comes in an Audi or he comes in a Merc mm. or in a Jag. Okay? And a poor man in shabby clothes also comes into the same fellowship. So the Bible is talking about. You have to put it into your your own times. Or uh, a mason comes into you, a carpenter comes into your fellowship, and a judge from the high court also comes, or an IAS officer comes, or an IPS officer comes. And what do you say? Here's a good seat for you, you tell that person. But say to the poor man, you stand here or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become, a, of become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Let me ask you, simple question, let me ask you. You look at the poor man on the road, who may be coming to your church, and the IPS officer, who actually harasses you? The IPS officer. They are the ones who give the order for everybody to be beaten, right? Not the carpenter. What I'm God, God is saying is that there are rich in the church and there are poor in the church. Both are sheep. But you know what? The rich sheep are butting the poor ones. They are trampling upon everything. They have forgotten when they came into the kingdom of God. Everything they have is to be held as a trust to help the others. Mm. Instead, you know what he says, they are they're acting just as they were in the world. And God says, be very careful. I will judge sheep, and I will sh judge first the goat and the sheep. Once I'm finished with that, I will judge the sheep and the sheep. I will look at you, and I will look at you and say, how did you use your power? How did you use your money? How did you use your influence? How did you use it? Where you are blessing? Did you use what you had to bless or did you use what you had to grow fat? The fat and the lean. Mm. That's what I'm talking about. The fat and the lean. Everything, whether you are a rich man or a poor man, everything that we have belongs to God. Mm. 
Whether you are a believer or an unbeliever, it all belongs to God. God created, man has created nothing, the devil has created nothing. Mm. Everything belongs to God. And one day everyone will have to give an account. And God is saying, I'll judge between sheep and sheep. So we are not being thrown out of our salvation, but God says, I'm going to, you're going to go through fire. And you will just probably make it by the skin of your teeth. <laughs> just with salvation alone. You know why? Because I washed you in church. You butted upon. You drank nicely. And after that, what did you? muddied up the water so they had nothing to drink. Okay? You ate nicely and you were fat and full and then you trampled upon the grass. God says, that's what Paul, James will talk about, faith without works. If you go to, again, James is very tough on mm-hmm. this, James chapter 1. He's a, he's a, his letter is one of the toughest letters in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, because Jesus was so gentle. His stepbrother you know, was very tough. <laughs> but it was the same spirit. Chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. Half brother. Yeah. Listen, my brothers. Has not God no, chosen... Ju- 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 okay, okay, sorry, that's two. Listen. Chapter 5, 1 to 6. Now listen, you rich people. Who is he writing to? Not the people in the world. He's writing to the church. You know, that's how it begins. Go to James. Keep it there and go to James chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Who is he writing to? James, a servant of God and of the Lord, Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. He's writing to the diaspora, Mm -hmm. the believing Christian Jews around the world, the twelve tribes. He's writing to them and he's telling them. What is he telling them? This is what he's telling them. Five. Listen, you rich people, among you, those who are rich, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Hmm. Your gold and silver, you just think about it. Moths have eaten your clothes. Think about it, no? You take a dress and you're willing, ready to go for a party. Okay, and you dress, okay, I'll wear that. And you take that dress to wear and you see it is full of holes. That is what is going to happen on that day on the wedding banquet. When you take your dress, you'll realize you're full of holes. You know why? Because you did not work out your righteousness. Are you saved? Yes. Did you accept the invitation? Yes. But did you work on your righteousness? No, you didn't. And that's what the Bible is saying. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Hmm. Now, I'll tell you one thing practically which you need to do. Okay, Simple things. Okay? I'm not boasting or anything. But it's a simple practical lessons we try to give you. When you file your income tax, it's a simple thing. You have a bank account. Everything that comes in is your, like people like us, that's your, uh, what your, your uh, credit, right? And then... And you should keep a personal account like I do of how much money you spend on yourself. And then you check out how much did you give away. That's how you know whether you are rich towards God or not. I'll tell you my this year's income. I just filed 98.5% I gave away. 98.71% I gave away. I spent on myself only 1.3% of my entire income of the whole year. You know what, I look at it because I need to be very sure on that day when I reach, I gave away. I was rich towards God, not rich towards myself. Rich towards myself. That's how you keep accounts. You need to keep personal accounts. And that's what God is talking about. You know what? You have hoarded wealth. You remember the old joke I say? That the day rapture takes place, if there are any coins in my pocket, take me upside down, they also fall off. I don't want to take it there by mistake. No, Job said empty, okay, empty, I want to go. I want to be very sure that you know what, I did not hoard wealth in those last days. Everything I did was for you and your people. I cannot give it to you, you don't need, but I can give it. See that I use it for your kingdom. 
That's what you're talking. Look at the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields, are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the years of the old. Is he talking to the unbelievers? Mm-hmm. He says, no, he's talking to the believers. He says, you are landlords, you got houses, you got plants, and you got believers working for you and unbelievers working for you. You know what? You were not rich towards God. The Bible says when you give to the poor, you lend to God. You lend to God. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Who are the ones who are doing this? The rich. Hmm. Rich. The rich. And he's talking about the rich in the church. This is why we have to take the word of God. Faith without works is dead. Yet, if you seek the Lord and His righteousness, everything that you need, He will keep adding. It's an awesome life. He will keep adding. But as He keeps adding, give it away. Mm. Give it away. Give it away. And the Bible says, give it away. Don't worry about it. Don't even fear about it. Give it away. And you will realize, you know what? That's what I said. <coughs> you should always count your riches by not what you have, what you have hoarded. You always have to count your riches by how much you have given away. My aim in life was that I still haven't reached there was to be like Colgate. Colgate finally lived on one person. He was a multi-billionaire. We don't have to look at his wealth. Just look at your wealth and say, you know what, can I come to a point where I live on one person? One person. Okay, one person. Okay, he gave 99% of his income away to the kingdom work. and kept only one person. But when he began, the 90% he kept for himself, when he finished, his 1% was more than that 90%. That's how God prospered him. God prospered him and God prospered him and God prospered him. Because he said, you know what? I want to end up life has to be a net giver, not a net taker. And you have to look at it. What did Jesus mean? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And don't think you are poor. <laughs> I'm not talking even about money. Everybody has time. And God says, how much of a time do you are you willing to give for me? To give it away for me. Sleep a little, spend a little time chatting, spend a little more t- less time eating. You know, you can adjust and suddenly you realize, you know what, you have enough time to give away. You know, Lord, I had nothing but I had time. You know, I was generous with time. Mm-hmm. I gave it over to you. I didn't indulge myself. It's my time. Mm-hmm. My time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spend. You did not. You <laughs> gave your time away. No, think about it. That's what the Bible is talking about. God will judge. God will judge. And this is not about losing your salvation. Then you are saved by your works. It is losing your eternal rewards. That's why all your works will be tested by fire. And some will just like, can, can we have that verse? And then we shall stop. Vijay, Pastor Vijay, yeah, 3, 11, 12 or something. Yeah. No? Yeah, come further down. Yeah. Come down. His work will be sown by fire. Come further down. No, not 13. Yeah. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. <coughs> okay, that's your reward. That means you worked for it. <laughs> if you work for your salvation, that's not your reward. Okay, that's not it. Okay, it's, it's, you didn't work for your salvation. That's just a free gift. But after that, it's a reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. There will be smell of smoked skin and smoked hair and all coming through, people coming through. God said he burned up everything. Okay, that's what he said in that, okay. He will judge sheep and sheep. He will judge. So you have to be very serious about these things because we are not running for our salvation. We are running for our crowns. And we want to, Lord, at least 
and I reach there, Lord. I don't want to end up in eternity, you know. I mean, there will be mercy, there will be kindness, everybody will be compassionate, loving and everything, but they will look at you and say, you know what, what a waste. What a waste. You actually had more opportunities, man. I remember you. I remember you. I used to live next to you. I was living in that one room shack. And you were living in that bungalow. You had much better opportunity to be a blessing than me. Because you had so much to bless with. How did you end up in heaven like this? Right? The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. Right? So who has the capacity to bless more? The poor or the rich? The rich. To be a blessing, right? Think about it. If all the rich in the church all around the world decide, you know what? I got it. I am going to be the greatest blessing I can be. You know what? Suddenly everything will change. Everything will change. Everything. And what happened in the book of Acts in the church? It happened in the book of Acts in the church. And God says, that's my heart. That's my heart. And the richest man who ever walked on earth was Jesus Christ. The gold and the silver or silver, everything was his. But he had nothing. What he had was a life and he poured his life out for man. And God says, that's my son, a rich man. He gave his entire life for humanity. That's why the Bible says he poured out his soul as an offering. And we were not redeemed by gold or silver, but we are redeemed by the very life. Because if gold could have redeemed us, God could have brought all the gold of the earth and brought some from other planets also to redeem us. But he couldn't be redeemed. So what did he give? The precious blood of his son. Because life is in the blood. The life of his son. That's how God, how, that's how rich God is. He just gave it all away for our sake. We shall stop there <coughs> and prepare for tomorrow. Father, I just want to thank you today, Lord. I say thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, help us, help us, oh Lord. Help us. Help us to live this life in the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Let us not fear. It's always fear. Fear of the world that if I give my life away, I will lose it. On the other hand, your word is very clear. Anyone who keeps his life will lose it. But anyone who loses his life for the sake of the king, the kingdom and the gospel will receive it, Lord. He will have it much more in the life to come. All the dear ones who wrote today, the broken, the abused, let them see life differently, Lord. Absolutely different. When they came to Christ Jesus, you took it all away. Let them believe it. They are not abused now. They are going to be mightily used by God. They were abused and used by pimps and drug dealers, but they will be now used by God if they surrender. They are not rejected. They are accepted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and God himself calls him them by name and says, You are my son, you are my daughter. They loved the wages of wickedness when they were in the world. Now let them hate it, Lord. Hate that life and say, Lord, I would rather live with little. I would rather starve two meals than go back to that old lifestyle. I am not going. If I have to stand in line outside a salvation army, soup kitchen, so will I. I will satisfy my hunger with that bowl of thin soup, but I am not going back to that life, O oh Lord. And I know you will turn this around. And I am willing to work hard with integrity, with righteousness, and eat my bread, O oh Lord. I will not eat the bread of iniquity anymore, O oh Lord. Let them make that determination, determination, O oh Lord. And let I command every spirit of death, every spirit of suicide to leave in Jesus' name. He has come to give you life and not death. The devil brings death. 
My God brings life. Receive life and forget your past because you are a new creation, Christ Jesus. And don't worry about your sickness. I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth and I command every spirit of infirmity, whether it's COVID, whether it's HIV, whether it's cancer, I command it to leave their bodies and I pray they will keep commanding it and believing that even with HIV or cancer, God loves you. God loves you. He loves you. And He loves you with an everlasting love. People in the world, if they know you have AIDS, will run away from you. But not my God. The first thing he did when he came down from the mountain, my Bible says there was a leopard standing far away crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. If you're willing, you can cleanse me. Jesus said, I am willing. And he touched him. He touched him. Nobody touches a leper, but my God does. My Jesus does. And I pray, whatever you feel inside, you may feel abandoned, rejected like a leper. He is touching you right now. Believe. The Spirit of Christ is touching you, saying, be cleansed, be healed, be made whole. You are mine. You are mine. Walk free and walk for me now. Work for me. You worked for the pimp earlier. You work for me now. You serve me. And serve my people. And I will make all things work together for your good. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.